Perhaps the most important aspect that the rabbis rehearse about the priestly blessing is the fact that the blessing must be understood as coming from God and not from the priests themselves and not from parents. Therefore, the koanim, as we know from the Vulcan salute that the Jewish theater actor Leonard Nimoy made famous in Star Trek, the motion of the Kohanic fingers, often now hidden under the talit, are meant as windows. And the idea is that when you make the sign, the fingers are windows that are guiding God's light to the person who's blessing. And the single most important aspect of the priestly blessing is the reminder that it's not you really doing the blessing, which you could do. You, could, you can bless children in other ways and you can put them on your knee and we see that in the Bible. But to bless with the priestly blessing is to transfer the responsibility in a sense, be it the source of the blessing from yourself to God alone and to take yourself out of the equation, you are in a sense, nothing but a window. I am reminded as myself a parent, as so many of you have been in the past and our grandparents and great grandparents, the tremendous pull I feel away from the priestly blessing in the sense of, I don't really wanna turn my children over to God. And the heart of the baby naming is that remember, you're babysitting for God. The soul comes from elsewhere and you are there to babysit it and then release it. But I don't wanna release it. I like my kids too much. Frankly, it's the best thing about the pandemic has been being around them so much and I'm scared of the separation that's gonna happen. I feel a pull not to let God in. I don't wanna turn them over to God. I wanna make the babysitting arrangement permanent if possible. The priestly blessing is reminding us to let God's energy, God bless them and God connect to them. I look back at my own life and I realize that it's such a fiction to look at one's CV and resume, to me anyway. I mean, I'm always telling the teenagers when I get together for ninth through 12th grade is to talk about, let's look at that college application and let's take, let's, let's, let's say this doesn't define you. This is not just who you are, the pressure of it. I look at my own CV and I think about looking back and I wanna say that what makes the best part of me is, are not my achievements, my personal achievements. Actually, I wouldn't be 2%, 2%, I swear, of the rabbi I hope I am, I try to be, without the setbacks in my life, without really the, the horrible times that I wouldn't wish on anybody. And I don't want them for my children. I don't want them to experience severe rejection. I don't want them to experience friendlessness. I don't want them to experience the death of a best friend. I don't want and things that, will, that don't deserve to get mentioned. But it's actually my coming out of those things that, I mean, it, it's what I draw on when I'm with you and we're talking about life. It's about wisdom. It's about the parts that my parents were not protecting me from. And so I think back to the priestly blessing. How do we turn our children over in a sense to God when we don't want to? How do we provide a place for transcendence in their lives when actually I'm not really trying to give them transcendence, I'm trying to give them a very comfortable home from which to grow, 
comfortable politics, comfortable um, little aphorisms of way to live, life hacks, I guess we call them. I, I want to paint a world that they understand and that they can move in. But that's actually not transcendence. Transcendence is actually when all of those things in a way are challenged. And I'm not talking about political rebellion. Frankly, the way we rebel politically is not what I would call transcendence. And in every Kaddish, she says, it's really the sign of being an adult as you get to say the Kaddish, le'ela min Connection to God and all the things mentioned before there. Connection to real beauty, the connection to transcendence, the, the realms, uh, the transcendent realms, marom, the connection to understanding real honor and connection to real purpose actually goes le'ela min beyond any of these prayers. But I'm not really teaching my kids, oh, that's it's not about the prayers. Am I pointing them to what goes beyond the prayers? Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel writes, the relationship to God should be one of awe. Awe is more than an emotion. It's a way of understanding. Awe is an insight better conveyed in attitudes than in words, which reminds me that I'm awe. I, I kind of get awe. like, I don't have to teach it, right? Because it can't be conveyed in words. So there's nothing to teach, really. It sounds like a little bit of an excuse. The more eager we are to express awe, the less remains of it. The meaning of awe is to realize that life takes place under wide horizons, horizons that range beyond the span of an individual life, or even the life of a nation, a generation, or an era. Awe enables us to perceive in the world intimations of the divine to sense in small things the beginning of infinite significance. That's the transcendence we need to lead our, the children to. To sense the ultimate in the common and the simple. To feel in the rush of the passing, the stillness of the eternal. Knowledge is fostered by curiosity, but awe fosters wisdom. And true wisdom is participation in the wisdom of God. The Kaddish goes on to say, okay, it goes beyond all prayers because awe is beyond the prayers, as Heschel says. And then it's also beyond vishirata. It's beyond all shir, it's shirim, all songs, all acts of poetry, all acts of creativity, of music, of, of psalms. Heschel writes, revelation is not an act of interfering with the normal course of natural processes, as everyone wants to talk about. It's an act of instilling a new creative moment into the course of history. And beyond that creativity, awe and creativity, what's beyond the shirim, the poetry, the art, the humanities, the connecting, is feeling like the eternal is talking to you, not that you are achieving it yourself. That's, the, that's what goes beyond it. And then the next one, it also is in the Kaddish, gratitude. I don't know if I am sufficient. My wife is better at it as she leads the children outside into walks in the Arb and elsewhere. How do you get them beyond saying their thank you for things to what goes beyond the words, which is the profound thatness of life. I mean, that's what my prayers are largely about. I, can't, I just feel every day that I won the lottery with kids like this. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. 
I can't believe I have a person, as we wish for Molly earlier, may she get raised all the way through education to the chuppah, to have someone love me, no matter how I act, and sometimes shamefully. I, I just feel the thatness of it. It's not an achievement of mine. I didn't deserve it. I know my friends would pat me on the back and say, well, you had some hard times. You, deserve, you don't deserve it. I'm, I feel so lucky to be alive. I feel that the universe is my mother. I feel like we can have arguments about you know, whether life you know, comes up naturally or not. But I feel the fact that we get to be, the fact that Israel gets to be, the fact that the people Israel have what is better than any religion I could ever have imagined. I think if you put a hundred of the, the smartest human monkeys in a room and ask them to come up with a religion, it's gonna be about a, an F minus minus compared to Judaism. The thatness of it, that's the gratitude that goes beyond the words. And I don't know if I'm sharing it with my kids enough. As Heschel says, what we know is inadequate. Whatever we say is an understatement. We have an awareness that is deeper than our concepts. We possess insights, but knowledge is not the same as awareness. An expression is not the same as experience. And finally, the Kaddish says, and it goes beyond the connection to God, the transcendence goes beyond any words of consoling in the hard times. We have the same parasha where the same priests who are doing this have just lost their brothers, Nadav and Abihu, to death, right? And Aaron is blessing us, and he's lost two children. I think we talk too much in the pandemic about resilience. Resilience to me implies you made it through and you're just the same. I'm interested in the connection with God that goes beyond resilience, goes beyond staying the same and being sheltered and hopefully the, the shelter that my wife and I provide and the congregation provides for us, um, you know, in terms of mutual and emotional support. It's actually where I've been left alone in my life, where I had to enter the hardest places all by myself that I found God. And I wonder if that's why the Parsha also, as we read today, has to do with the Nazir, the one who actually cuts themselves off from their family, likely due to addiction and alcoholism in order to dedicate themselves for a period of time to the temple to and swear off all intoxicants and to declare themselves by vow a priest and go abstinent away from their family by going through that experience so close to God, like a priest and finding God within them. May the priestly blessing do exactly what the medieval rabbi said. May we say, may you feel the bounty, gratitude for the bounty the thatness of the world that God provides. May you hold on to it even in periods of loss. May you get chen, may you get the grace of getting what you need when you don't get what you want. And in the third longest line, when you don't get what you want and you don't get what you need, you don't even get grace, then may you find God there. God turns to you directly, and may you find some kind of peace, some inner strength. When you realize that God being outside of you, God being inside of you, and you getting smaller is what makes you stronger and leads you to a wisdom that, thank God, if we turn our children and give them the seeds of knowing that. I close with a quote. 
We are so busy teaching our kids how the world works in terms of how does one human get what one human wants and how to succeed that we forget to teach our kids how the world is, how it hums, watch the birds, the ants, all the beauty that takes place without human effort, without one human having to lift a finger. The natural world is magnificent. If we focus only on our effort in it, we miss the beauty. We are too stressed to see, focusing primarily on our inner nervous dialogue of self. To transcend means to see beyond the fallacy and delusion of self as the one who heals the world, the one who gets things done, the one in charge of creating. We each must realize I am not the true creator. Things have been working fine without me. Things will continue beyond me in the bosom of the eternal. And this is not saddening. It is meant to be freeing. We are free when we recognize the beauty of our smallness. We are small because we must learn how to work together. Only then can our efforts in this world contribute to healing the world, instead of only contributing to our own success as measured by being more successful than others. If we continue to teach our kids that self is the focus, then we are teaching them a way of being in this world that is fearful and inherently stressful because it's stressful to pretend that we're bigger than we are. We are part of the whole. We are not alone. We are truly as small and as mighty as the tiniest living creature on earth. Look to nature to feel and hear the symphony-like cooperation. Being beautifully small, we must do this too. We must cooperate, sharing our gifts with the whole. We are not the center. We must transcend the fallacy of being in order to live a life of peace and true healing for ourselves, for others, and for the world. So I say to the person who wrote that, which was my wife yesterday, when I asked her what she thought transcendence meant, and she said, okay, I'll speak into the phone, but whatever you do, don't read it at services. I trust in unconditional love. Shabbat shalom.